Today on the podcast, we have myself, Michael Adams, as well as John Rahimi and David McCormick. Men, we are back. What is going on? John, you're in a new place. David, you're in a new place. I'm in the same place. What's up? Hello, as soon hello. As you started the meeting. It said, this meeting is being recorded, and the two options were continue or leave the meeting. And my initial thought was, I should just leave the meeting. <laughs> yeah, mine said, uh, leave the meeting or got it. It's like, all right. <laughs> It's like wow, but they're loud and clear. Like you have two options: get the heck out of here, or you know, okay, maybe I'll stay. Yeah, that, those are the options that I actually told it. I was like, um, oh, either just say they're good for this, or get the heck out of here and see you later. People be crazy. That's the first time it's done that for me, though. So it's nice to know that Michael can, yeah. like, you know, start recording without her pres- without her permission, John. I know. Yeah, I think I'm like files must... and files of things we've said that are. Scary. Oh, I have like probably upwards of I, I say this in a very non-creepy way probably upwards of like 40 to 50 hours of audio from us and video so yeah i got a uh, lot sheesh. i got a lot stored yeah that's why i <laughs> when i think of like people have to listen to just our voices but they miss out on the gold that is what our faces look like during most of these podcasts and what's going on on camera and yeah there's a there's a lot of good stuff, <laughs> a lot of quality content. I, yeah, don't tempt me, John. I might just uh, we start our own YouTube channel. I'll start putting the faces on YouTube for you. People can get the full experience. Yeah, and see all the hidden, the hidden facial yeah. expressions that go on while someone's talking. Like when we duck out of camera to stop ourselves from laughing. Or when I sometimes turn things over to Michael because I'm about to start laughing. <laughs> uh, as long as the, uh, you know, they won't have the chat. It'll just be the video. So at least the chat won't be there. So they can't see the jokes that we're making to try and mess each other up while we're talking. True. So. This is a sincere question. How do you choose the thumbnail videos for the Instagram page? I've always wondered. I was this, wondering that too. Like, I'm just like, there's 40 minutes plus of you know footage. How do you choose what footage? I vote it's show? random. <laughs> Does it do it automatically? Are you just oh, cheating? Definitely. I wish it did it automatically. That'd be awesome. Um, wait a second. Do you mean the actual like the, the still image that goes with it? Or do you mean the actual like the actual video? The actual video. Okay. Um, I would like to say that I spend three hours every week on preparing and doing it. But in reality, I wake up Monday morning and go, huh, I need to post about the podcast today. And I will listen to the podcast myself and I'll wait till something stands out. And sometimes I'll listen like very intently throughout the entire podcast. Other times I'll be like, I wonder what was going at, going on at like you know minute eleven, and then I wonder what was going on at like minute seventeen. What like, oh crap, they're still bantering. <laughs> <laughs> what what happens? I'll get to like a point of it. And I'll be like minute fifteen. We're talking about this, and I'm like okay, well I know like before that we were talking about this subject, or like after that came this subject, mm-hmm. and then I'll kind of tailor it towards that. Um, and then also it makes it easier. Like typically I target one person, like based on who's been posted recently. So like if I posted like John, I've posted you and me two two or three times in a row. Like I'll be like, okay, David's getting the thumbnail. We're gonna go look for something that he said that sounds smart. It's <laughs> so difficult to, to do. Michael hates those weeks because he's like, I have to I have to come through oh gosh, this entire thing to forever. find one confident <laughs> thing that David said. 
Oh man. <laughs> Wait, that's the general practice. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to the deacon the other day and it was that same line that we were, I think we said in one of our podcasts a couple months ago with like, uh, I think I said it to you, David, because I didn't know what to say. So I said, David, quickly say something intelligent while I find something to say. <laughs> and like this deacon was saying like, this is what I do when I'm trying to like counsel people and they come with questions and I have no idea how to respond and go, quick, Holy Spirit, say something intelligent while I think of something to say. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a good move. So right now I'm looking outside my, this window and the little parking lot where my car is, which is just a grass patch with a fence around it. And there was a guy just like staring at my car. I was like, no, don't jump that fence, man. Don't do it. You were literally just talking <laughs> 20 minutes ago. You're like, my car is going to get robbed. It's going to get robbed <laughs> at some point this summer. I try to take everything like of value out of it. So there's nothing in there for them to take. So we'll see. I don't know. I think they know it's like the sisters lot and you don't mess with the sisters. So hopefully they don't because this fence is like maybe five feet tall. It's like nothing. <laughs> so we could like, get like in and out if you want to pretty quickly. If you want to jump in and out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like it's locked from both sides. So like you can't drive a car out of there, but you could get whatever you want out of the car. I think we should host a heist, David, and break into John's car ourselves. Michael, that was actually like literally what I was thinking. We could like record like on the road. Yeah. Like, oh yeah john sorry we're just driving right now. we're just driving don't worry about it is that you guys outside by my car no no it's two other white guys in humboldt park lol they don't exist why did you just slash all of my tires <laughs> oh so michael i don't know if i told you but life update i did recently purchase a vehicle did um, I, I already knew about this did you okay i Wait, think so snitched? i think you're the person you bought the car from snitched Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah. So I did. I did buy a new used car. But let me tell you, gas is expensive. It's so messed oh, up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We were. So you bought we, Tanner's car, correct? I did. Yes. Yeah. Well, one, I was there when you guys were making the deal, like finalized at brunch. So like you definitely have. Told oh, me. that's right. That's right. You are. But two, at least you got a car that I assume has like relatively decent gas mileage. Um, yeah. Like my first car was a 2002 Jeep Grand Cherokee, which you both are familiar with. Let's just say that its favorite thing to eat was gas and it ate a lot of it. <laughs> that is tough. Yeah. Well, it gets good gas mileage, but then like, I feel like sometimes it's like a mental game where I'm like, I, I feel like the gas meter is messing with me, but yeah, you're, you become a lot more conscious of like where you're driving when you have to start like paying for gas and such but the the big thing is michael is as you know i bought the car but believe it or not the car seat did not come with the car john paul's car seat I know. so you're saying the baby also didn't come with the car the baby did not come with the car he has a small child back here <laughs> <laughs> which i know it's it is what it is i'm not ready to be a dad just yet but the car seat would have been fun though you could have just, like pretended yeah. to be a dad got like dad benefits <laughs> and everything Put like baby on board. Yeah, exactly. that could go like either way of really, really creepy. It's like, hey, why do you have a car seat in your back seat and you're not a dad or married or have a girlfriend? Wah, wah, wah. Creeper alert. Wait, how does the cop know I don't have a girlfriend? I'd say the first question they ask you, they don't ask you like, hey, have you been drinking tonight? It's, hey, do you have a girlfriend? And also, why do you have a baby car seat in your back seat? I guess that checks out levels of importance. Imagine this male cop coming up to me at the side of the window. So, like, are you single? <laughs> Are you free this Saturday night? Also, like, also can I see your ID? Now. In the 
Michael's like, well, it depends who's working at a chicken place or not. So <laughs> there's a certain person who hopefully is listening who I plan on taking advantage of their chicken uh, benefits. <laughs> I won't I won't refer to you as my newfound <laughs> nickname for you on air, but you will hear it soon. <laughs> Check your Instagram DMs as soon as possible. <laughs> oh man. Hey, speaking of listeners though, I think I got like maybe six more people who might listen to our podcast now, all the there people that I'm here oh. with. So they're like, what do you like? What do you do? And I was like, oh, I have a podcast. Like, you have a podcast? No way. And they were like, oh, we'll listen to it. And I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> John, when you say that, like, oh, yeah, like I have a podcast. The, um, as you guys know, I went to like focus interviews uh-huh. and there's this one guy in like our group interview. He was like super awesome guy, but he was like, oh, yeah, like I, I have a Catholic podcast. And of course, you know, first judgmental. Your first judgmental reaction, my mind is like, you have a podcast. <laughs> like, that's so embarrassing. And then I was like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> no, wait, I have one. <laughs> yeah, I, we, I, wouldn't, like, I didn't say it to the, the sisters and Bishop, uh, Bob, but they were talking about it at lunch. And he was like, everyone's got a podcast now. Why does everyone have a podcast? It's so stupid. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's so dumb. Like, every young person has to have a podcast to talk about their thoughts and feelings. And he's like, oh, that's so true. It's dumb. And I was like, oh, God. I can't tell them a podcast now. You should just like. Yeah, that's the first thing I'm mentioning when I when I see them. I'm gonna I'm gonna send him mail, and all it is is gonna be like <laughs> your face, and then like a barcode, and it's gonna take him straight to a podcast of you like going off. Oh so, my gosh! Of you <laughs> yeah. telling oh, the story. Um. So as you guys know, won't well, at the time we're recording this. So last week was the feast of Corpus Christi. So we did like a procession after mass. And some people were asked to like set up altars. Mm-hmm. So my mom set up an altar and did like a fantastic job with it. Your mom is a very good decorator. She is. And did such a good job. And then when it was done, she just asked my, my, like, my younger brother and I, if we could go, not Johnny, Danny, so like my youngest brother, like junior high, if we could go clean it up and like carry things back across the street to the house. So as we're cleaning things up, people keep on walking by and being like, oh, this is so beautiful and blah, blah, blah. You guys did such a good job. And I was like, I did correct them and be like, oh, no, it was my mom. But it's like in their mind, they thought that like a junior high boy and like I put together this like awesome looking altar with like super nice, super like well spaced out. And I was like, oh, you're not even a little bit close, like not even (laughs) there was one person I did not correct, though. And I was just kind of like, it's nice to know that one person out there thinks that I'm like have very good decorating (laughs) skills and I know what I'm doing. There's nothing wrong with that. Just get just, just get your reputation around Naperville booming right now in, in the interior and exterior design communities. And then they're gonna someone's gonna call me to help them out and be like, so what you want to do is um put a giant TV, uh, maybe a small carpet and a, a single folding chair yeah, yeah. for the TV. <laughs> One single folding chair. Well, David, as I was telling you last time when I was at your house, you have uh you have five years to get your skills in order. One for serving and now two for Alter decoration. Charlie, stop calling me for goodness sake. <laughs> Good night. Hey, well, it's, past, it's past noon now, John. So this is on you. I know. I, he said he said 1.30. I was like, okay, like I'll call you at some point in the afternoon. Now he keeps calling me. Good night. It's afternoon though. So whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm going to make you in charge of decorating the altar at your house. Yeah, I guess that's true. And then we'll strip it down and have your mom do it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Corpus Christi Sunday. Oh, um, look at that segue. Oh, segue man. smooth. I know. 
or as i like to call it corpus crispy sunday um you did not come up with that chirp 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 (laughs) i did come up with it because it was an accident and i accidentally said it earlier um but yes corpus christi i was praying recently with this gift that some just you know what david (laughs) i have the power to kick you out of this uh, good for you I was praying with this gift that I got from some random man in Chicago. Uh, just found this man on the streets and he just gave me a birthday gift for no reason at all. It's a decent birthday gift, but it is the source of this podcast idea. Um, so, John, if you ever see that man that gave me this birthday present and you know who he is, tell him I said thank you. Uh, He's ex-military too. Right. <laughs> but either way i was praying with the readings and in this uh bible that john rahimi if you didn't catch on that gave to me um yes i'm so generous and so good and yeah thank you myself anyways sorry (laughs) um either way i was reading and fulton sheen offers some commentary on the institution of the lord's supper and felt like it was maybe a timely discussion for us to have uh, with churches now opening again and people slowly starting to kind of return to going to mass. Um, Obviously there's like, there's some delay and some people who still aren't going. Um, But even for those who are going regularly, it's just a nice reminder of the importance of receiving the Eucharist and the general effect of the Eucharist. Um, I think sometimes we can get really lackadaisical with our relationship with the Eucharist and not really think that there's anything special going on or that's not really anything that magnificent and it's just kind of a part of mass but um thought it'd be fun to maybe talk a little bit about the importance of receiving it so getting back to mass and actually going to receive the eucharist but also the importance of staying in a state of grace so that you can receive the eucharist and being able to do that so that's kind of general topic any initial thoughts you two i'm just curious what does fulton sheen say what was the uh what was the standout? Um, well, he said a lot. <laughs> um, the big thing that stood out to me is he made this comparison between um, the things that we eat and how they nourish our body and they nourish our lives and they help us to go forward and the things of the lowest proceed outward of us. So um, it talks about kind of the lower is transformed into the higher So he gives the example of like the chemicals are transformed into plants, plants into animals, um, and then chemicals, plants, and animals into man. And so using that kind of ideology and looking at it with the Eucharist of the Eucharist coming into our hearts and transforming us. And when we receive that daily or receiving that weekly, even just the, the general effect of that, just in a singular moment, but doing that consistently throughout our entire lives, how those graces and how that nurturing um, nature of it actually builds upon itself. And that was kind of the thing that stuck out the most to me from it, where I was like, oh man, that's a really great way to look at it. Like the actual, how it's building on itself and how it's transforming and representing us. So that's the, that that was my big takeaway. Yeah. That's interesting because I think, I know I fell into this for a a very long time. I've heard others speak of it in the same way, but like that analogy of food and like person, like, oh yeah, the Eucharist is like food, right? It energizes you. Like the, the, it breaks down and becomes like a part of you, right? 
but in that way, it's like the Eucharist is becoming a part of me and like the Eucharist becomes me, not like the other way around where we get transformed into the body of Christ, like, which is really beautiful because it's, it's the smaller thing that is taking the larger thing. Like Christ humbles himself so low into the Eucharist, the small little piece of bread that he then allows us to receive him in that, in that way. Um, and we can be transformed into his body, not the other way around, which is really beautiful. Cause it's like, it's very humbling to think like we, the bigger quote unquote, you know, person there in that moment are the ones that are being lowered into him, which is it's just, it's a very, it's a very beautiful and convicting reality. Yeah, it's the one he has a sentence where all it says is very simple. The lower is transformed into the higher. I just thought that was so simply put, but really beautiful of just the lowness of ourselves mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the power of the Eucharist actually transforming us into that and helping us take form into that and live in communion with it. Um, yeah, that's a really good. Yeah, because I because, yeah, if you think about it, like we're invited yeah, to be in communion with christ not the other way around right. but that is kind of something exactly what you were saying john is like sometimes i kind of found that it's like oh yeah you know especially now it's like some parishes um like they're, they're not letting you receive in the tongue it's like you're receiving in your hands almost like yeah like i am the bigger it almost seems like and like oh i it seems like you almost have like more control over the eucharist but to realize that yeah it is you actually it's, it's a very humbling moment and that you get to become part of the body of Christ and that receiving yeah, just the sacrament of the Eucharist is just so important. And I don't know, it's just like, it should be the center of our danger. And I, I think just like how some so casual we can go about it is a lot of times saying like, Oh, this is just something I do at mass. Like, you know, I know this is like a lot of times, like I kind of thought about it as a kid, like it's just something I do at mass and something mm -hmm. I receive and it becomes a part of me. So it's really interesting to kind of hear it like framed in that way. Yeah. And there's this, like, I mean, there's a beautiful opportunity, whether you've been going to mass since, you know, churches have been open and through, through all of it, um, or you're just coming back now, like most places probably still prefer that you receive on the hand. Um, I know at least in Chicago, like you can do either or it's not a big deal, but, um, for those people who have always preferred to receive on the hand, um, there's a beautiful opportunity for like a renewed devotion to the blessed sacrament in receiving on the hand. Like I remember watching some guys at the beginning of last fall at the seminary where we had to, and like just the way that they would look at Jesus in their hands, like holding him for a moment, like this, how small he was, how precious he was in their hands. It's very like, it's very Marian to like, imagine yourself like holding the small body of Jesus. Cause like in that moment, it's like the incarnation. Like you, when you hold him in your hand, you have this beautiful opportunity to see like God has become man. Right. And the world has never been the same since that moment. And now I get to like receive him and then carry him throughout the day with me. It's not just like I received Jesus in the five minutes after mass. Like that's why you do my little thing with him. And then he's gone. It's like, now I get to now walk with him. And then that's where like the living of, the resurrected life. Cause like, that's the whole point is that we're receiving Jesus resurrected body, his blood, his soul, his divinity, the whole Paschal mystery in this moment. And then we get to walk out and live a resurrected life that Jesus has, it's communion with him. It's united to him. 
And if we're like, we become Christ by receiving him, then death has no power over us now. Like all of the fear, all of the insecurity, the doubt, like that starts to get rooted out because we have become Christ. So there's no need to be afraid anymore because he's conquered death. And if that's true, then like we need not be afraid. And that changes the way you live ultimately. Mm -hmm. And that's how you can actually live a Christian life. So like, that's just how important the Eucharist is. If you want to live a Christian life, you have to make this the priority of your life. It's interesting too there. You mentioned that we're, we're receiving, you know, the resurrected body. But I think sometimes with the Eucharist, there's this temptation of just like, I, this might be a personal thing, but like you can kind of fi finalize it and make it just seem like it's only the crucifixion. Like you look at Christ on the cross and you equate that to being what's in your hand or what you're receiving by the tongue, however you do. Um, and I think it's kind of easy to kind of forget about that you're actually receiving the resurrected body and the power of that and actual going forth out of that. And again, this kind of touches on what Fulton Sheen mentions later in this little commentary. Um, and he talks about if, if we forget the redemptive side of this, we forget the resurrection, um, then this moment is only an incident. Jesus's death is only an incident. It's not a redemption, but just the tragic end of a man, not the mm -hmm. salvation of humanity. Yeah. And there's that temptation to belittle what is actually there in the, the Eucharist of just saying, when we think of Christ, we're thinking of his life and we're thinking of his death, but actually taking into account that what we're receiving is the resurrected body and then going from there, like the, I'm thinking of the, even the apostles after the resurrection, like going from the resurrection now and going out, serving, living in that communion with him. Kind of mm -hmm. like you're saying, it's like, you have that five minutes maybe that you receive. It's like, okay, I'm here we're doing this and then you leave it. It's like, okay, everything's forget that that's over. That part of my day's done. I can go and kind of live my life as normal. It's like, no, like from that point on, everything changes. Everything's different. Mm -hmm. I think like looking at even just how we view mass, whether it's you're going on Sundays, you're going to daily mass. I know <clears throat> John, I don't know if it was one of the years that you were there or not, but like when we were there for training, I remember father chasing for daily mass, this kind of was like making a comment in a homily. He was like, no matter what you're all doing today, I know you all have a super busy day. He's like, this is the most important thing that's happening to you today. Yeah. I'm and right. like me at like 10 a.m. just being like, huh. <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, I have so much, many, so many more important things to do. But kind of changing how you're looking at that, Michael, as you were saying, like when you're leaving, even just kind of changing that mindset, like, yeah, this is the most important thing that I can do today. And that everything that I'm doing after is going to stem from the graces received and that communion with Christ. I'm, yeah, being able to receive at mass and not the other way around. It's not like, oh, mass is just something I'm doing. And it's very easy to get in that mindset. I'm in that mindset all the time, too. Even like this week about being like, oh, I'm getting up and going to mass. It's just something I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that was just kind of really an inch as like a sophomore in college something that honestly kind of took time because I was like, this isn't the most important thing I'm doing today. Um, but just realizing just like the confidence in what he said is like, yeah, no, it is. This is, this is where everything else is going to stem from is what is happening right there in the mass. Yeah. And like, you have to ask yourself the question then where it's like, when we say, this is the most important thing you'll do today. And like, you know, your whole life is the source of something of the faith. Um, why? And, I think we've kind of alluded to this, but in communion, like it's about relationship 
And for us to understand like why this is so important for us is to see ourselves in the eyes of Christ. Like, why is he giving us his body? Why does he want me to have his body and his blood and his soul? Like, it's not just a, you know, a little prize at the end because you made it through the hour <laughs> of mass on Sunday. It's he loves you so much that he wants you to have all of this. He wants you to have his whole self. And like, when you think about that as an actual person, if you've ever been in front of someone who's trying to give you a gift um, or you're trying to give someone a gift rather, and they don't want it, or they kind of like treat it like whatever, like there's a great pain in your heart of like, but like, I want you to have this so badly. Like I've, I've thought about this. I've, I've yearned to give you this thing. Cause I've like, I care about you, you know, and to reject it or to nonchalantly just kind of take it. Um, that's hurtful to the person. So if we like really like say like, Oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple of Christ and I care about the Lord. Um, that means like I, you're saying that I love you to the, to Jesus. Um, but how do we show that love? Um, sometimes we feel like, Oh, I'm not worthy to receive the Eucharist. And that might be true sometimes, you know, if you're in the state of mortal sin, but a lot of times like it's, it's not that that's not the case. Um, yet we still feel unworthy because we are, but he still wants us to have it. And that's the importance of receiving. Like there are people who are like, I can't receive it if it's not on my tongue. It's like, who, are, no offense, but who are you to deny the Lord? Like he came to you as a baby um, and like lived a human life in its messiness, like fully. So in a way, like you're discrediting it by being so particular about the way that I need to receive it because I'm afraid I might like, you know, de uh, I don't know, desecrate the Eucharist by putting it in my hand. It's like, think of the way that Jesus touched people or let people touch him. Like, did they always do it with the most reverence? No, but he allowed it. And there's mm -hmm. a fine line there, but like, it's still important for us to notice like, and there are certain circumstances where like, for example, COVID, where it might be necessary for a time to put aside your own preferences for the sake of still receiving the Eucharist in your life, because it's more important than my like way of doing things. Like allowing Jesus to come into me and to receive his body and his blood and his life, right? So. Yeah, this might be a little bit off topic, but it seems also timely to maybe bring up here with this conversation because it ends, again, you're talking about like this feeling of unworthiness, which literally this morning I was sitting in mass and I had that exact feeling of like, I just do not deserve to be able to do this. Thankfully, you know, I still was able to go receive, but still had those thoughts of like unworthiness and just like understanding how obscene it is that God allows himself to come into the form of bread to be manipulated by humans, not even just manipulated by us, but to being held in the hands of anyone. Yep. Um, and then be allowing us to actually physically receive him into our mouth, digest him, chew on him, swallow all of those things. Yes. Like all of that just seems so obscene which it makes so so much sense when you think about just god's infinite wisdom and just providence and just personal love for us and giving us such a real and practical way to receive him into our bodies and all of the things that that actually represents of physically receiving him into into ourselves and him giving of himself and pouring himself out to us um but something that i thought about a lot during corpus christi was we're thinking of this momentous moment in our faith and really again like john you said earlier the source and summit Yet, it's such a hard thing for us to understand. And none of us are ever really going to fully understand it because that's just the nature of just the mystical aspect of it. But I, I always think of that stat of like the, the 
seven out of 10 Catholics like don't believe in the true presence in the Eucharist. And so I guess my question maybe be for both of you is in today's world where, you know, we have the, the kind of that scale or on, on one scale, you might be on the side where you truly get like, this is Christ in flesh, flesh, body, all of these things. And I'm receiving him. And it could be feelings of unworthiness or just like true joy and elation that you're able to. But on the other end, for someone like I think we mentioned earlier, it's like being able to receive with true reverence and like staring at the Eucharist, understanding that you're holding God that Marian moment. Um, for someone who isn't doing that right now or has no inclination to that, I could see this because it's something that I've gone through. Is like when you're making that transition of like not really having much reverence and kind of just going through the motions to trying to actually be reverent. Um, there's that balance of like, am I just doing something to do it? Or do I truly, am I doing it truly because I believe what's happening here? It's like, how do you make that transition? And if you are one of the people who kind of struggles with like the actual idea of the Eucharist, I mean, what do you do in that case from like that going through the motions to actually truly partaking in the celebration? Yeah, I don't have it with me. Um, this is a good question. Uh, so I'm going to paraphrase, <laughs> but it's true. So I mean, Ignatius, um, he, I think it's his meditation on, there are th on three types of men. Um, and essentially what he says in one of the notes is uh, fake it until you make it to a degree. But that's basically what the gist of what he's saying is like, if you want this to happen, start, the, the meditation is on kind of like giving up, um, is being detached from things that each person, each type of man has this um, monetary amount and they're giving it up for different reasons or like their dispositions are different for different reasons. And there's an ideal one. Um, and to get there, he's like, just kind of fake it until you make it like pray for it. And then like, just do it. You know, like we talk about like just showing up to prayer. Like you're not going to get it every time, but like just show up and kind of fake it until you make it like wait for the Lord to show up. So just, put yourself in the right place and do the thing. The Lord will show up. It's not about like, I got to do the right things. And finally, it'll kind of always be this way. It's like, no, it won't be. There are times at mass when you will not be like super reverent. It'll be like going through the motions. That doesn't mean that's where you're stuck. It means keep going and wait for the Lord to show up. Um, the other thing too, I would say is that for those people, um, and this comes from my own experience of like how I got there, um, especially recently more so. Um, even when I had my kind of like conversion, I started to coincided with discerning priesthood but it was it was because of the personal nature of the eucharist and it's seeing the eucharist from jesus's perspective and not mine that's where it becomes more like you want to be reverent towards it you want to do that thing because it's like what is this person giving me how are they like looking at me because when you know that someone loves you a lot it changes your whole disposition towards them um Versus if I'm just loving this thing, it's all about me and it's all about the way that I'm doing the things and if I'm doing it right or not. And that becomes this kind of like, it can become a vicious cycle where you're, you're never going to get out of that. The feelings of unworthiness and scrupulosity are going to hound you. But when it's seeing like, this is Jesus earnestly wanting to come to me and give himself to me out of just love, then uh, you're more likely to desire to receive them with reverence and with humility and with gratitude, which is ultimately the one we're, we're looking for, right? Eucharist means Thanksgiving. Um, so like, I just think about like, Michael, the way you said it, that like he wants to go into your body, like be digested. Like you think about that, you know, he wants, he wants you 
to chew him because that's the only way he can get as close to you as he possibly can in this, in this life. So if that's how he wants to do it, then like out of love, you want to respect the desires of your beloved, like anyone who's dated or has, you know, had a good friend, like knows that to be the, the case. Like if you really love someone, you desire their desires if they're good. And obviously Christ are perfect and good. So like you start to desire it more when you, when you see the way that they see or the way you, you start to see yourself and the Eucharist in terms of the way Christ is viewing it. And also the, yeah, John, I completely agree with all of that. Um, I know Michael kind of what you're saying, this is definitely something like kind of I've gone through. And I think one of the tendencies is to, when you're preparing um, to receive or even after you receive the Eucharist, I think one of the tendencies is to be like, I need to, like, what, what exactly is happening, which is not a bad thing, but almost to overthink it and to be mm -hmm. like, well, if I can't really process all of this, then <laughs> none of it's happening. And yeah. I think such a, something that really honestly has been a great blessing to me and one of um, uh, a good friend of mine kind of showed me this when I was talking to him about it is just as being straight up honest and humble with the Lord and being Lord, like, you know, like my, you know, how weak is my faith? Like I, mm -hmm. um, no matter how hard we try, like I can't really fully understand what's actually happening, no matter how hard we try, because right. ultimately it yeah. is a mystery. <clears throat> and just saying like, how weak is my faith? But at the very least, like, I just want to spend this time with you. And I know that this is a sacrifice. Thank you for the sacrifice. And just let them know that, you know, that I love you. And that, yeah, just again, thanking him for the sacrifice. Because I know that it is very easy to kind of, even during like the consecration, it's very easy to kind of fall into the trap of like, all right, now what's happening now? Now what's happening now? Mm -hmm. um, but instead, just kind of realize like, you know, what, like my mind's never fully going to be able to comprehend what's happening. And that doesn't mean become a space cadet during the consecration, which I often do, but yeah, just, just being humble to them and being like, yeah, Lord, I cannot really fully understand, but I know ultimately, as John was saying, like, I know what you're giving me right now is a sacrifice, is a gift and you and you want to be with me. And I want, yeah, to, I, I can't really give much in return, mm -hmm. but I want to thank you for, it and I just want to spend this time with you. I think both of those ways of thinking allow yourself to not only enter into the moments better and more freely, more open. Um, they also allow you to be a lot more charitable with yourself. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes there's this feeling in mass, like especially during the concentration, uh, consecration, sorry, um, where you'll see people like very into it, being very reverent, showing mm -hmm. that reverence that, you know, you might desire. And you can almost get angry at yourself or angry at God of like, these people get it and I don't, why not? Why don't I get it? And these ways of thinking, I mean, it does allow you to be a little bit more charitable with yourself. Like I think like that fake it till you make it. And it's honestly great advice, like putting yourself in the position to receive mm -hmm. that gift. Um, you're not going to receive the gift unless you're actually there in the moment ready to. Yeah. Um, and like David, you're saying like, just don't overthink it. I mean, I think that's, some of the simplest but best advice because i think we try to put the human mind on what's going on in front of us the consecration all these things like we try to put our human self in the ways of our thinking and our knowledge of human physics and just the world and how everything works together it's like you have to remember like this moment can't be defined by our world and when we try to we overthink it 
and suddenly nothing makes sense and it makes sense that it wouldn't because it's not part of here um there's i mean there's something in that just yeah keep it simple and don't overthink it where i think ignatius says this but it's basically like the idea is beat the wings of the intellect so that the the heart may soar so like you, as you listen to the word of God and the liturgy of the word, as you like prepare yourself in the offertory, listening to the words um, in the preface um, and the Eucharistic prayer, like your, your mind is being elevated. It's being raised up to this moment such that your heart can soar. So you don't have to like, okay, what's everything that's happening right now? Because you're allowing the Lord then to like, to show up and to act, you know, to touch a certain point. And then like, that's where the, the spiritual sensitivity and attentiveness is, Okay, this is the act of participation of the mass. It's not that I get to sing, I get to do the things. The act of participation is my whole heart, my whole being is directed towards um, this activity of receiving the Lord, you know? Mm -hmm. So you can start to like note in your heart over time, this just takes time and takes that faking it till you make it, putting yourself in that position over and over and over again, such that when the Lord does show up, I see it and I can rest with it. And it might just be one small thing. And if that's where the Lord is, stay there. It doesn't need to be like, okay, what's the other thing? I'm missing out like five other things. Just what's the one thing the Lord is communicating to me right now? That's all that I need to be focused or concerned about. And that's beautiful, right? And like, sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it does. It's okay. Keep showing up. Keep it. And if you get distracted in the middle of that, stop yourself. Go like, okay, Lord, I offer you this moment of myself and just keep doing that over and over again. Like you're going to get distracted all the time. That's okay. You're human. Um, but it's just, it's a matter of allowing the Lord to do the work and to draw you to himself in the Eucharist. Agreed. That's one of those moments where it's a mic drop. It's like, there's nothing else to add. <laughs> I don't know if you two have anything else you want to add to this, but I, I'm good on my end. I think we can wrap up there. Sounds good to me. Deal. Same here. Well, thank you everyone for listening as always. Um, we all three really appreciate it. And feel free to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or anything else you want to tell us about at thecatchcc at gmail.com. And quickly before we go, as always, got two words from our buddies over first at Bishop Sheen Rosaries. If you're looking for a durable, strong rosary, one that's going to make you last, uh, go check out their website using the link in the below. And you might even be able to get 10% off if you use the code in our description, I think. So go make sure to check them out, support them. They're some of our college buddies, so we'd, we'd appreciate that and know they would too. And then lastly, with Covenant Eyes, uh, if you or somebody you know is struggling with an addiction to pornography, go check out their porn fighting software. Uh, top of the line, we'll get you right, keep you helped and keep you protected. Um, you can use the link in the description to even get free 30 days on that. So we'd love it if you took advantage of that. Um, but that is all we have. So until next time, we'll talk to you all next week. Adios. Peace. See ya.